Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the Wickedly Smart Women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create change all around the world. Now here's your host, Emerald Green Forest. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with wisdom and immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Emerald Greenforest, and today we welcome our very special guest, Cindy Watson. Cindy is the founder of Women on Purpose and founding partner of Watson Labor Lawyers and has 30 years experience as a respected, award-winning social justice attorney and master negotiator. She's a sought-after trainer and speaker, helping women to leverage their power through the art of feminine negotiation to get what they want from the boardroom to the bedroom. Cindy has a proven track record empowering, advocating, and motivating people to become the best version of themselves. She's an international speaker, award-winning author and consultant, known for her passion, commitment, and ability to inspire. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting Cindy live and in person at the National Publicity Summit in New York City uh, in April of 2019. And she was, not only was she smart and spunky, like our, <laughs> like we want our, our listeners to be <laughs> five, but she just has such a great personality and such a great presence. And so I had to invite her to be part of the show. So welcome, Cindy. Thank you so much. For oh, thank you, Emerald. It's great to be here. And likewise to you, I was saying everybody was buzzing about you at that event that you just made quite an impression, a very positive one. So I'm thrilled to be here. Well, you know, whenever I see wickedly smart women, I just get very excited because I feel <laughs> like we're living in a time where uh, the feminine is rising and we are throwing off the shackles of old thought forms and patterns of behavior and structures and uh, cultural conditioning and all of those things. And so you really exemplified for me, you know, a wickedly smart woman. And so I'm really glad that you're on the show. What I want to ask you first is, you know, I'd like to have you just give us a little bit of background about your own pathway, because as an attorney, you know, you've been an attorney for 30 years. Well, 30 years ago, being an attorney yeah. was still relatively unusual for women. So yeah. I'd love to have you talk a little bit about your backstory. Sure, um, I'd love to. And it's interesting you say about women rising because that was one of the reasons I started Women on Purpose, that we have women rising and but we're getting this real pushback. So for me, I grew up in a low rental apartment complex in a pretty tough neighborhood. Obviously, I didn't think of it as that at the time because it was just home to me. You know, my dad taught inner city boxing to some local boys, but uh, of course he ended, I think he wanted boys, he ended up with two daughters. <laughs> and He didn't teach us to box, but he did teach us to be fighters. And one of the things, I loved the arts, to be honest, as a kid. You know, I loved 
inspiring people and I loved my invoking my creative side. But I think even the background, because we didn't have much, I was not too subtly pushed, as a lot of women are, to follow a more traditional path. And because I did well in school, it was not too subtly suggested that, you know, I, I take that sort of path towards being a lawyer. So I was pretty driven, as a lot of people are when you come from nothing. So I went right from high school to law school to university to law school, looking for those straight A's. But coming from a working class background, I wanted to really respect my roots. So I've always been a little purpose driven, but thought I was following my purpose. But I think as so many women do, it's not until much later in life that we realize we actually were just doing what was expected. So I did practice trade union labor law, though, and social justice law, which is something I felt very passionately about. From a very young girl, I was taught that everybody deserves to be treated with dignity and respect, whether you're the janitor or the surgeon, both jobs are equally important, so long as everybody's given 100%. And you say about 30 years ago, you talk about being a male-dominated. The industry, the legal profession was still really male-dominated, and being in the trade union environment, I was one of very few women at the time. It was almost always the case that I'd be the only woman in the room, the employer's counsel, all of their witnesses and management, my own side of the table, the adjudicator, everybody. And I loved what I did, but I really found that, you know, over the last decade, I'd say, you know, when you start feeling that niggling little, like something's missing, right? And of course, as women, we hold it in and then we feel guilty that we feel dissatisfied because gosh, I've got a successful career. I've got a family. What's wrong with me? And I finally started giving voice to it. And the more I gave voice to it, the more I realized this wasn't just me. This was a really universal problem. So many women hit sort of middle age or beyond and feel this profound sense of dissatisfaction. So I started really digging into that. And I founded Women on Purpose, originally designed to help women step into, you know, rediscover and rekindle their purpose and their passion and find what are those things that really, you know, fired you up as a kid and how do we find a way to bring that? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to leave what you're doing now, but how do we find a way to bring that to your life? But the more I started looking into it, I realized for me that the real issue was that all of life is a negotiation and we're simply not taught it. And women feel they're not negotiators. So now my real focus is helping teach women the art of feminine negotiation and how to leverage their power by stepping into that. Mm. That's a bit about me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, there's a couple pieces in there that I really want to dig down a little bit deeper into. One of the pieces, Cindy, is this idea of voicing your dissatisfaction. And, yes. and bringing it to voice, like really expressing that, giving yourself permission to express. And I've actually worked with women for over a decade, helping them to feel great speaking and powerful asking for money. Love and, it. and it starts with the voice. You know, you, you can't ask for money or negotiate well if you haven't allowed yourself to express yourself and, and strengthened your voice. So can you talk a little bit about your own journey to Number one, acknowledging that you had something that needed to be voiced to yourself first and then to the world. And then if there was anything in particular that you actually accessed, either practices or, you know, mentorship yourself or, you know, healing modalities or anything that, that helped you in that process to find and express your voice. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so important because I do think that's the start of everything for women. And it starts as early as kindergarten, if not before. Like when you look at all of the studies and young boys in kindergarten and recess, they get their sense of status in the schoolyard by bragging on themselves and making themselves larger than life. And for young girls, even as young as kindergarten, the 
exact opposite is true. Young girls who show themselves as larger than life end up getting ostracized or at least feel really quickly like they're ostracized. So we learn from a really young age to make ourselves smaller, to not step into our too bigness. And that translates to our voice. So we make ourselves smaller. That's why so many women have these little voices and all of the media images that you see growing up of women, they all have that in your Southern bells that really, you know, we need that soft voice, that quiet voice, that supporting voice behind every great man is a good woman. You know, I mean that supporting role mentality and it just, it keeps us small and it keeps our voice very small physically and both, both, you know, literally and metaphorically. So for me, I will say the one advantage that I think I had, although it's a bit of a double-edged sword, and I'll touch on that in a second. But I think growing up with my dad, who wanted those, you know, that that fighter, from a really young age, we had spirited debates around our little little kitchen table. So I can't say that I ever, in my home life at least, felt that my voice wasn't valued. Like he really encouraged argument, and if you were going to argue with him, you needed to defend your position. So. I kind of broached into school having these spirited debates and I would see it took people back, both, both my, you know, girls and boys that I was going to school with because they weren't used to that approach. And it was just so natural to me at that point. There were moments when I felt like I had to shy away from it, but I think I felt more. And one of the things that I felt teaching the art of feminine negotiation as well, I find women either tend to shy away from their power and shy away from negotiation because they feel they're not good or it's not appropriate or there'll be some consequences for that, or we tend to overcompensate. And I fully confess, you know, my name is Cindy Watson and I was an overcompensating female. So I just had, and especially going into trade union labor law, I realized really quickly, those men saw me as this young girl and they walked around on eggshells around me and it really threw me off because I was used to coming from a house where my voice was heard. And even in school, I kind of forced my way in. So my voice was heard and taken a little more seriously. And suddenly I'm in this environment where I can tell they're looking at me with the almost little pat on the head, right? So I quickly learned that I had to overcompensate. And it stood me very well in my practice of law, except I think that's part of what led to that profound dissatisfaction because when you overcompensate and come from this place of masculine energy, A, it's not authentic. B, everybody sees you as a barracuda or worse. I will keep this family friendly, but you can imagine over the years, some of the names I've been called that men would just be considered to be strong leaders or whatever. My clients all called me the barracuda and they meant it as the highest compliment. And when I was younger, I took it as a compliment until one day I'm like, I don't want to be a barracuda anymore. I want to be able to step into my strength from a place that's authentic and natural. So for me, I would say for women who are the shy away type, there's going to be a period when they need to just step in to make that voice bigger than is natural for them to be able to find a way to get comfortable with having that voice heard and expressing it and not backing down. But I suspect a lot of the listening audience that you have here are those women who felt that the only way to succeed is to have this overcompensation. And that's why I feel so passionately about teaching the art of feminine negotiation because one of the things I've learned looking back, and I'll wait if you want me to dig a little deeper on it, but I realized that I used to negotiate really effectively from a place that was authentic without the overcompensation. And then I spent the next almost 30 years you know, becoming this person that I didn't like anymore and that I felt very dissatisfied with. So it's, for me, it's almost been stepping back away from that more rawr kind of voice 
and stepping into a place that's just, you know, you can be assertive without having to be, you know, aggressive or negative or confrontational or, uh, you know, uh, suspicious or any of those things that come from that sort of more masculine energy. So I would say for women who step back from their power for practical tactics, practice singing, <laughs> like literally sing loudly and brazenly in your house. And, you know, when you're on your own and nobody can listen in your car, wherever, practice having your, and have it come right from your diaphragm. And I actually, you know, I sang as a young girl and I believe that made a big difference as well. You know, I was in the choir and I, you know, sang solos and that, but that learning to really come from a place of pushing from your diaphragm you don't have that little girl voice. You, can, you have a voice that's got some oomph to it. And I think that carries a certain power. I also suggest, and I, I, one of the things I do in my online programs is video yourself being outrageous, right? Like have fun with it. You can delete it immediately. You don't have to share. If you're brave enough, share it. That's even better. But video yourself, you know, being outlandish, dancing and singing, give a speech, have a super strong voice. And when all else fails as well, just those simple things, striking the power pose, you know, that's something, you know, I've been saying for years, now the science actually supports it, you know, go find somewhere private before you're about to go into a meeting with someone, whether it's your kids or your partner, your, you know, your life partner or a business thing and strike a power pose that pumps you up and makes you feel a little more powerful and confident. Mm, beautiful. So three immediately actionable steps there. Thank you so much. <laughs> sing. Let's sing, ladies. Let's have fun and let's strike our power pose. Awesome. Well, we are already at the break, which is amazing how quickly that happens. And so I want to thank all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands and thousands and millions and millions of downloads from all over the world. And we're going to shout out this week to our listeners just north of Toronto, Canada, <laughs> which is where it. Cindy is located. <laughs> we might as well shout out right to your local neighborhood. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Emerald. Right. We will be right back with Cindy Watson. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Women, are you ready for a big revenue breakthrough so you can stop working like a man and being paid like a woman? Are you ready to take the leap and go deep to claim your value and convert your wisdom to wealth? Is now the time to fulfill your mission and change the world? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired by women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance and be heard by millions while building a sustainable business model that makes bank please visit apply.wealthylifemethod.com to apply for an invitation-only consultation. If you have been inspired to receive support in welcoming wealth by making your most heartfelt contribution to the world, be sure to apply for a consultation today. Once again, that is apply.wealthylifemethod.com or click in the link in the show notes to access the application. And we are back with Cindy Watson. She is the founder of Women on Purpose. And you can find out more about her and all that she is offering, including her Art of Feminine Negotiation body of work at Women 
onpurpose.ca. And we will have that in the show notes. That's women, plural, W-O-M-E-N, onpurpose.ca for Canada, not .com. And again, we'll have that in the show notes. So Cindy, before we took the break, we talked about some ways that women could find their voice. Now, one of the things that you... Uh, have done is you've really also stepped into your sovereignty. You've really stepped mm-hmm. into your leadership and you have created something out of nothing, right? Yeah. So you literally had a vision, I'm sure. And then you chose, you made a choice to value that vision enough to invest and devote time, energy, money to bringing that vision into fruition. So can you talk to us a little bit about your own process of maybe receiving the vision, how that came to you to create Women on Purpose and the Art of yeah. Feminine Negotiation and all of those things. Could you talk a little bit about not only receiving the vision, like what that process was like for you, but also the decision-making process, the choice-making process of saying yes to that and valuing that sufficiently yeah. enough to, to bring it into reality? Yeah, I love great, great question, Emma, because it came in pieces. And I spoke before the break a little bit about that kind of epiphany of the, about the dissatisfaction. And I started really seeing on both sides of the border, frankly, in Canada, the US and, and worldwide, frankly, it struck me at least that women were losing ground very quickly in a number of ways. And it caused me a lot of concern. I've got three kids myself, a daughter and two boys in that order. And I was thinking about that worldview and what that's going to look like. And I didn't like what I saw. And as we see women sort of stepping up, we were seeing this incredible pushback from some of the world so-called top thought leaders as well, making really inappropriate comments about sort of this women rising movement and the Me Too movement. And I was like, whoa, you know, we actually stand to lose a lot of ground here. And I just saw this profound dissatisfaction. So I felt that I really profoundly needed to put my money where my mouth is because you know, I felt that for me, the problem was that I hadn't followed my purpose. And I saw so many people that I cared about in that same situation and not giving voice to it. And I thought, what if we start a community? So I actually started originally with a Facebook group called Women on Purpose Community. It's still running strong now. And, you know, we're women to come to sort of a safe environment where we can talk and share things sort of just generally about issues and what was happening in the world. It's now becoming, it's all of that, but more refined about how do you find your purpose? How do you discover your purpose and stay true to it? So for me, the really scary step to take when you, and I love how you described about how I came to the process. It's like you were inside my head because that's exactly what I had this vision, this idea about what an incredible world it would be if A, women started supporting each other and overcoming those unconscious biases that have held us back for so long and all of the studies and research that were going into writing my book. I just, it's no wonder we feel afraid to step into our power. You know, it wasn't that long ago that women were burned at the stake when they stepped into their power. You know, we didn't have the right to vote. We couldn't hold property. So we have so many limiting beliefs and unconscious biases that we need to push back. And I thought, I feel passionately about teaching this, about sharing this, about helping women step into that power. So that was the starting goal. The big put your money where your mouth is, though, to do that, I had to step back from the practice of law, like building a 30-year successful practice in a male-dominated field with this guaranteed income and to say, you know what? Jump off the cliff, Cindy. This is something you believe in. Just take that leap of faith and believe with everything that you have, that when you do it, the road will come up to meet you. And so I did. And and as I 
did that and stepped off that cliff and started pushing for the women on purpose and building that community and gaining that trust, you know, getting into writing my book, I resisted anything that had anything to do with law. And that's why I didn't go to the negotiation piece early in the process. It came, it dragged me kicking and screaming, to be quite honest, until I could not ignore anymore that for women to really step into their power, I have 30 years of negotiating. And actually, I think for me, one of the real moments about it was this brief moment with one of my sons where we were having a really simple discussion, I thought. I could see his frustration. And then at one point he just went, for God's sake, mom, does every discussion with you have to be an argument that you win? And it took my breath away and it was like holding a mirror up. And I thought, okay, that's it. I see these two problems. I see the myth of negotiation that everybody believes women aren't negotiators, women themselves. Mm -hmm. I see women not supporting each other, but pointing fingers so quick to blame men. I don't think we're going to move forward until we find a way to come together and stop the blame game. And I think we're going to move forward when we have women dealing with their baggage first, frankly. When women step into their own power and start supporting each other and help lift each other up, when we get over that scarcity mindset, when we learn the art of feminine negotiation and step into our power, I think there'll be way less need. And frankly, at some point I plan on, once, I, once I've done that, I'd like to roll it out to teach men the art of tapping into feminine negotiation. So, and what I mean by that, just to be clear, because people are like, what does that even mean? What, there's, no, there's no one way to be a woman. There's no one way to exert feminine power. For me, it was, for some women, that will be more sort of to the extent that you want to call, I hate masculine feminine labels, but that's what we've got right now. Mm -hmm. But for some women, that will be a more masculine presentation. And if it's authentic and not because you feel you need to present that way to get what you want, go for it. I, that's fine, frankly. But for me, when you look at the markers of what really make a great negotiator, there's six key markers. Assertiveness is only one of them and not the most important. It's rapport building, empathy, flexibility, intuition, trustworthiness, all of those things that women have in spade. They're considered feminine traits. And when women step into that and realize this is something you do every day and to your listening audience, you are mediating and using your intuition and negotiating and rapport building every day because you've had to. You start becoming more conscious about that and bringing it to your negotiations, whether with your kids or your partner. And that's why I say from the boardroom to the bedroom, I believe women, it'll, you'll be unstoppable in your power. But I also, my dream is to imagine what a different world it will be when everybody starts stepping into that kind of energy, when it's not all about win-loss, when it's not about, everybody thinks negotiation is about the bark and the bite. It doesn't have to be. And in fact, the most effective negotiations aren't. So that's how I sort of came to the epiphany and got to this point where I am now. And now I just feel, as you could probably tell, so passionately about how important this is. Yeah, powerful, super, super powerful. There's so much in that, in that segment right there. So let me sit for a moment with the things that I feel are going to be most potent to just highlight. First off, I loved that you described exactly kind of the same exact process that I went through. I had a 30-year career in real estate and then oh, okay. suddenly I was called to go in a different direction and yeah. took a leap. So I want to put a flashlight on that for our okay. wickedly smart women out there that it is possible 
if you are feeling a sense of dissatisfaction or, you know, is this all there is? Or, you know, for me, I felt like I was going to die if I stayed another minute. Yeah. And the, um, experience that I was in, I had a couple of male partners that were both bullies. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I literally thought I was going to die. I, I want to tell you ladies out there a couple of things. First of all, you can actually take a leap. Yeah. So I, I'm also a leaper. Now, not everyone's it. a leaper. Some people have to have the bridge, the step-by-step bridge. And the step-by-step bridge can be provided by people like Cindy or myself who have taken the leap because we know what the new territory looks like and we're able to actually build the bridge back to the old territory. So number one, I just wanted to highlight that for our listeners. I love that. Number two, I wanted to also highlight the art of feminine negotiation and those six points that you brought up about women already embody those six points. And and for some reason, we have created in our own minds, I think, this, it's almost like a separation of church and state, right? Absolutely. Like where we look at negotiation or sales as some kind of foreign thing that we don't have the skills for when in fact we actually are naturally equipped to negotiate win-win-win situations rather than win-lose. So I I just wanted to point that out. Um, And I would say not only equipped, I would say arguably better equipped if we step into that power, because these are naturally feminine traits that we've been honing our whole lives. So, yeah. And the third thing there was really being conscious about it. Like, absolutely. Oh, oh, negotiation isn't as complicated as we think it is. It's <laughs> actually right. <laughs> just like getting to the win. And, yeah. and let's look at all the things. Like, I think one thing that women potentially are either afraid of in negotiation or are um, afraid of being judged as in negotiation is being manipulative. Yes, and absolutely. so um, you know, I think that's a piece that hopefully your art of feminine negotiation helps them to dismantle absolutely. that internalized oppression. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's internalized oppression. Well, negotiation uh, hits all of our triggers, right? That fear of being judged, fear of being manipulative, uh, fear of not being enough, fear of rejection, virtually all of those fears we spent a lifetime cultivating. We hear the word negotiating and we kind of hold up our hand and go step away, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, I can give you a quick mnemonic to have your uh, listeners remember. So those six things, it's, I threw it out quickly, mm-hmm. but I came up with a mnemonic. Just think are fit. You are fit to be a great negotiator. So that's A for assertive, R for rapport building, E for empathy, F for flexibility, I for intuition, and they call it intuition for a reason, and T for trustworthiness. So I thought I'd throw that in quick. Oh my God, thank you for that. I, I'm, I'm psyched even more. <laughs> I can remember all of those things. I love mnemonics. I love when you're able to do that with the points because it really helps people to remember. So we are already very close to the end, but I want to ask one more question for you. Sure that I think is going to also be important and is tied to this whole idea of feminine negotiation and getting to that win-win-win. And being a woman who left an established 30-year career to start something brand new, let's talk about money. What is the one thing that you'd like to leave our, our women around the world with when it comes to negotiating on their own behalf Yes. for their vision whether it's in a, an employment situation or in a marital situation or in a business entrepreneurial situation, talk about money. 
Let's talk about I the money. I love that because women have such baggage around money issues, all tied to that, you know, that we're not, A, I would say you are enough and you deserve it. But a little tip that I always give to my groups is the mama bear tip. So I find women are fierce advocates when they are advocating for someone else, particularly for a child or someone you can parent, an aged parent, someone you care about. So I just tell women, Find that little bear cub inside of you, that little girl in you with your little girl hurt still that we all carry around, that all of those fears, and the next time you need to advocate for yourself, invoke your mama bear for your own little bear cub. Mm -hmm. And that gives this whole different perspective to it. So, And the other thing is when you ask for money, money is never just about money. Money is that vacation, romantic vacation you can take with your partner. It's about lifestyle. It's about choice. And it's about philanthropy. When you have money, you can do great things in the world. So there's nothing selfish or greedy about bargaining for money. That would be the last message I would leave on that. You are phenomenal. <laughs> Likewise. So excited. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, people, you can find out more about her at womenonpurpose.ca. I highly encourage you to head in that direction and let yourself receive. And I want to say thank you to all of our listeners as well. We love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of this show or send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are wonderful women. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to review and rate Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.